Well, it is always good to be at Cornerstone. And uh, I was telling some uh, of the attendees, I guess, I guess that's what you're officially known as, uh, <clears throat> how uh, uh, I pick up the vibe of San Francisco and this free-spiritedness. And I feel very relaxed here, almost too relaxed, actually, uh, a little dangerous relaxed. And so I have to calm myself down, okay? Just with a, you know, a, little, a little sedative, uh, mental sedative on myself, okay? Now, I always like uh, Pastor Terry says, always update, and I gotta do a clothing thing, you know? And if you notice my shoes, uh, this is actually the first day I'm wearing these stylish numbers. And, uh, you know, I like to save money. It's expensive living in the Bay Area, okay? So when I'm at Skechers, I always buy two shoes because the first one's full price, but the second one, 50% off, okay? So you just, that's the tip of the day, okay? The tip of the financial tip of the day. Second one's the day off. So you know, even if you don't like them, buy it, you know? Because you're saving 50%, you know? You gotta do that. But there's big changes that actually happened in my life and in, in the family life. Uh, changes that are uh, probably greater than uh, some of the changes of the years that I've been here and sharing. First, one involves my uh, daughter and her husband and their three uh, children, my three grandchildren. He works for the government. And uh, he put in a request to be transferred to another country for a number of years. And, you know, he put it in, you know, he just needed a spark in his life. It'll change, you know. And he thought it was a long shot. He said, how long? Think the odds of the Cavaliers defeating the Warriors. Ain't going to happen, okay? That long, okay? It's going to take, like, everyone getting injured on the Warriors, you know? Hamstrings everyone, you know? And then, uh, uh, but he got it. And he found out on, January, on June 6th that he got the position, Okay. It's a big change, big change, because next summer, he, for three years, he's going to be in the Far East. And it's kind of sad for me, because uh, as they have three of my grandchildren. They live about 50 minutes from um, you know, where we live in the Bay. And the older you are, the faster time moves, really. When you're in your 30s, it's like you can't wait until, you know, 35 to 38, big deal, you know, big, no, 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 nothing happens, you know, just a little, little, but when you're older, every year in relationships become dearer and dearer, and it's like dog life, you know, one year, seven years, you know, it's <laughs> sort of like that. My wife is a big change from my wife, too. Uh, this Friday, and this is all recent, this all happened this week, you know, uh, was her last day of being a public school teacher. Uh, she was an elementary school teacher, and... Uh, <laughs> So uh, uh, all my children came, uh, and uh, we had a, and, and her coworkers, and we had a, a lunch, and then my kids stayed over. And uh, so I was taking early retirement, and it's sort of like it was needed, you know. And I got her a mug, and it said, uh, uh, "Goodbye pension, hello pension," uh, on the mug. <laughs> you know, I'm a romantic at heart. You know what? What can I say? You know, it's a, this, and, and you know, it's Amazon, free shipping. You know, what do you, what do you, what do you want? You know. Um, but it's a big change. It's a big change. When you retire from a job, doesn't mean you're not going to work on another job, but it's a big change. And she needed it as a spark because teaching in public school it can be a grind. If any of you are, are teachers and a public school teacher and elementary school teachers, you know it's a grind, you know? And uh, she needed the change to, to, to give a spark in life. Now, for me, uh, what's interesting is that uh, Pastor Terry introduced me as someone who was a pastor in San Francisco, 
That was, uh, uh, and then I was um, now a professor of theology. Uh, but the next time I speak here, which will be in August of this year, put it down on your calendars, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be a pastor again. And it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. And it wasn't something I was looking for, but I'll be pastoring somewhere in the Silicon Valley. And, um, and it's, it's, it's a big change. It's a big change for someone who's uh, of more uh, 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 vintage years, you know. Uh, <laughs> people say, well, what are you doing it, you know? You had an easy job being a professor of you know, graduate school, because graduate school is easy compared to public school teaching, tell you that, you know, I'll tell you that. It's just easy, okay? I said, you know, I don't know, I, I, I just feel like I want to go back into it, you know? And I, I emailed one of my friends, and I told him about it, and he says, welcome back to the trenches. You know, because I'm more like, uh, you know, that type of, 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 of interaction with people. Everyone needs a change in their life, a spark. Just want to tell you, especially if you live in California, because we get bored, you know, every, every two years we get really bored, okay? <laughs> and we need spark. That's just the way, that's the way we, we, we are, especially if you're a millennial, you need to spark every, even more, okay? Because, you know, you need to spark all the time, you know? And it's sort of like that's, that's how society is, that's what we are, and it, it, it sometimes can energize us. So you see change as energy to pursue something new, to give you a lift in life. Now, the issue is, how does one who seeks to follow Christ, allow Christ to make these spark changes in our own journey with God. You know, you may not be moving. You may not be retiring, though you wish you were retired. You might not be changing jobs, but how, do you, how, do you get, how can you get the spark? And I love the, the, the theme that uh, Cornerstone has, the spark, uh, putting the life of Christ, the, the faith into your life. So we're going to look at three different scenarios, three different arenas of life, and we're going to see how uh, Christ can be a change agent in each and every one of our lives. I have three passages, and they're in your program. The first one's found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 23 to 28, and I'm going to read, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which is the likeness of God uh, that has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now, this is the overall picture of what Jesus wants us to be, to be a reflection of what we can be in Christ, a newness rather than the old, old Jeff. You know, new sketchers doesn't hurt anybody, okay? But think not just sketchers, the inward being. That is a huge makeover, and that really is the desire and the will of God for each and every one of us. Now, with that overarching truth, the Apostle Paul, in this letter, uh, will now describe the first three applications of this truth. And it's very surprising because it's like, put on the new self. So you pray more, you know, you read the Bible more, you, you know, you'll be more caring to people, you know, you attend church more and stuff like that. This is all good things, but it's not how the Apostle Paul immediately applies this new self passage. How he applies is very surprising. 25 to verse 28, I'm going to read. Therefore, 
laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. It's not talking about praying, though praying is very good. It's not talking about reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is very good. It's talking about lying. I don't have to be the new self. Give us some spiritual things, you know? Go on a missions trip, you know? The second one's very interesting. It moves from verbal abuse, lying to get ahead or to throw someone on the bus, to verse 26, be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. From verbal into internal, like, emotional, like, turmoil within yourself. And there is no actual application of if you don't rein in your anger and your turmoil, what it will do. It just says, you know what? You need to rein it in because if you don't, you're going to give the devil an opportunity. What, 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 does, what does that mean? You know? It's very interesting. This is the one in the middle that the application is not that clear. The third one is verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he may have something to share with one who has need. Now, what's very interesting, these first three following this overarching verse about putting on the new self have in common the theme of the spark in changing ourselves to change ourselves, to change ourselves. Because each one of us has this propensity to sometimes abuse people. And here's the thing, I, I know. You always tend to abuse the people that are closest to you and the ones you love. You know? Strangers, yeah, you're really nice to them. You know, people you love, then you abuse them. This was never the intent of Christ. It was to change us from being abuse agents into agents of grace. The last one about stealing, same thing, but instead of verbal, it's actually a monetary self-gain in taking advantage of people. It has to do with the personal arena. Before you think about change as doing something great for God or to achieve something for God, that's too American. Achieve something. You want to let Christ be a change agent within you. That middle one is the most interesting for me. I'm going to spend some time talking about it. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Anger. As Pastor Terry mentioned in his opening prayer about um, there is a, a spate of people taking their lives in American culture. And this week, two icons of American culture uh, took their own lives, Kate Spade and uh, Anthony uh, Bourdain. And uh, you know, people, well, what do you think about it, Jeff? I get very sad. I get very sad. And the reason I'm sad, it's very interesting why I'm sad, is because I have a tendency to be a sad person. This week, with my daughters staying at our house, and they're at our house right now, you know? I'm giving up being with them, you know, to be with you folk, you know? <laughs> so she discovered this week this 
sort of personality test called an Enneagram. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And you go online, Google it, Enneagram test. You go for the free version, okay? Don't pay for it, okay? Get, there's a lot of free versions. I'm always trying to save you money all the time, okay? <laughs> Costs a lot of money, you know? You can pay for rent. Get the free version, right? So she, she said, I'm a four wing three, which means four is an individualist, and that explained why she was one of the tougher ones to raise of my daughters. And a three, she bent on achieving in order to get acceptance, which made her a little neurotic, I think. So she had my wife take it, and she came out to be a three-wing two. She's not an individualist. My wife is an achiever, okay? Then she had my other daughter take it. She is also a three-wing two, which is achiever. Well, of course, dad's got to take it. <laughs> so I took it. I'm a four wing five. And when I told my daughter that a four is like her, it's sort of like we finally understand each other. <laughs> we made peace. Because both she and I are individualists, believe it or not. That's why when Pastor Terry introduced me, he said, Pastor Jeff or Jeff Louis has a unique perspective about him. Okay? The word unique is in caps. Unique perspective. I've always been unique. I've always felt very different. And the thing about fours, individualists, uh, we were at, uh, uh, we, we had a common meal with everybody uh, yesterday, and we were talking about this Enneagram. Everyone got the healthy numbers, okay? So I, I talked to the other one who's a four. I said, I said so, so who do we match up well with? Because these, these pairings, you know, like, okay, fish, what kind of, you know, wine you get, you know? So the pairings. And she said to me, no one. <laughs> I said, it's got to be someone, you know? I mean, it's like no one because we're individualists. And we take, tend to think inwardly. And because we tend to think inwardly, We're prone to sadness because we are the most introspective of all the numbers. Wow. It kind of made a lot of sense in my life why I was like that and why I'm still prone to that. For me, it's part of my personality, my proneness to sadness. For others, it might be tragedies that occurred in your life. Others, it might be genetics. There are probably a dozen reasons why people are prone to sadness. But what I do know is that there's a lot of articles about it becoming epidemic in American culture today. I had nothing to do this week, so I read the uh, Center of Disease Control paper <laughs> on the top causes of death. I have nothing to do, OK? OK, I'm an individualist, OK? You guys are watching TV, okay? I'm reading CDC reports, okay? You got a problem with that? <laughs> Hope you don't. Okay. 
Well, the word is, is that taking your own life has risen to number 10 of causes of death in American Americans. But if you take out young kids, 13 and under, and you take out 45 and over, doing harm to yourself and taking your life is the second cause of death amongst that age group. And if you go one over into the adult, it drops from two to three. So young kids actually skew the number, which means in a group this size, maybe 20% of you, 25 are sad. And maybe single digits, really sad. That's the numbers. Okay? That's the, that's, that's the numbers, you know? And this week, Kate Spade took her life. Anthony Bourdain took his life. I'm very sad. But they also represent not just this, what's happening amongst celebrities, but what's kind of happening across America. And here's something I know, though. It is not the purpose of God and of Christ for us to stay this way. I will always be a four individualist. I will always preach the way I preach. And if you don't like it, I won't preach. I'm not going to change, okay? It's the way I am. There's a rebel within me. But you know what? I've learned to allow Christ to uplift my spirits in joy and peace. And that is what God needs to do for all of us. So that we are angry, or we are misunderstood, or we are confused. But we don't allow it to overwhelm us. And let a transcendent peace of God reign over your life and to lift you up. Perhaps that is the word that God would have you hear today. That would be a... <laughs> Imagine if you can change, exchange your sadness to agree of peace. I believe that Christ can do that because I'm living proof. The second, Ephesians 6, 5 to 9. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh and with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free, and masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their masters and yours in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Now, I always got to tell when we talk about slavery, is that um, the, the gospel of Christ, the grace of Christ can live, can exist in any situation. And... Uh, uh, part of this was inherited as the Roman system of slavery. Uh, part, you also must understand that according to the Old Testament law, any type of slavery that involved abduction of people was a crime punishable by death. 
that was totally unallowed that, that in, as in Exodus 21, okay? But just to go back, this passage talks about work, socioeconomics, and it applies to every generation and every age, whether it is you, you are living in the exact same details of a Roman type of uh, a culture or an American type of culture. Because what this is saying is that Christ can bring a spark to your workplace, either you as a worker or you as a manager, you as an owner. Because in Christ, the purpose of God is work is not just to make money or to make the most money and to cash out, you know, so you could buy four pairs of Skechers. <laughs> but to understand that in our work we serve Christ and that there is no partiality with him. So here it is. Workplace abuse is getting big news today. Hollywood big, politics big, Silicon Valley big in male dominant sort of geek, geekdom, you know, Uber. And now there's abuse not just of workers, there's abuse of people who get their services, like, you know, Facebook, what they do with your information and abuse of that. Here's, here's the thing. It was not the vision of Christ that you would just be another cog in industry. It was the purpose of Christ that you would make a difference because you understand the big theological picture of humanity, that there is no partiality with God, so that within Christians as you grow, there should be no ethnic bias. There should be no gender bias because there is no partiality with God. And you know what? That is what we need in this culture, this society. And we, having the advantage of the Holy Spirit and of the change aspect of Christ in our lives, should be a testimony and manifestation of that in this world that desperately needs it. I've got to go to the end because I want to have an extended time of prayer. The third category is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. There's a whole different category of people. These are the people who have the talent, who have the money, and who have the time. And if you have the talent, and you have the money, and you have the time, Paul puts you in a third category of what that spark of Christ can do with you. You do it for the good of humanity. 
live your life for the good of humanity, not to enjoy just simple life. And it's not saying you don't enjoy life because Paul says, look, he's given us all things to enjoy. But in the midst of all things to enjoy, and of course, I know the more money you have, the more things you can enjoy. But instruct them to do good, be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. Some of you are in that position. You have the talent, you have the wealth, and you have the time. And what God has put in front of you is an ability to use the talent, the money, and the time for the good of people around you. About 20 years ago, my church did something very unusual. We were getting into social justice about 20 years ago, and there was a little unknown organization that was having a fundraiser uh, in the city of San Francisco. It was the first time they're having it. And it was an international justice mission. And uh, believe it or not, in that fundraiser, uh, our ch my church in San Francisco, we purchased half the tables at, I believe, $2,000 a table. And so we, we, we said, we're going to buy $20,000 worth of tables, which meant I sat at the high rollers table. <laughs> I just want to tell you. I sat at the table with this person that you're going to see, Gary Haugen. CEO and founder of International Justice Missions. He was relatively unknown back then, 20 years ago. He was a Harvard graduate, so that puts me in a different league, you know? My parents just never went to college, okay? They're just happy we went to any college, you know? Let alone Harvard, you know? He went to University of Chicago Law School. He worked for the Department of Justice in Washington. Back then, it had a better reputation, you know? I mean, you know, it's like now it's getting a little <laughs> sketchy, you know? Who's leaking, you know? I was like, I don't know who's leaking. But, but back then, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, back then, you know, was, was more honorable then, you know? And he gave it up, and he founded this organization. And I remember him sharing that he started in the, in the, in the garage of his home in the D.C. area. This is what the Wikipedia entry of Gary Haugen writes, uh, describes, describes Haugen. And you know, if it's not in Wikipedia, it's not true. <laughs> so, so if it is, then of course it's true. So this is what it says. Haugen is an engaged Christian since founding International Justice Mission in 1997. He has described witnessing a sea of change within the Christian community that was once largely disengaged from the struggle for justice in this world. But now views care for victims of injustice as a significant issue in faith. Inspired by the work of historical leaders such as Martin Luther King Jr. and Mother Teresa, as well as contemporary Christians in seeking justice for the oppressed, Haugen founded IJM on the principle of Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Though it is a 
faith-based organization. He makes no bones about it. We are Christians. Though it is a faith-based organization, IJM protects the poor from violence without regard to religion, race, or any other factor, and they seek to partner with all people of goodwill. And I sat next to him. I shook his hand. I've never washed my hands since. You know, I mean, that's a, so my right hand's a little dirty, you know, you look a little closer. But it was indeed a, a, an honor to sit next to him and to see how the organization has grown. I think it was the first organization that got a donation from, I think, uh, like Google to, uh, it's very interesting that Google, I think, uh, gave a donation to this, this company, millions of dollars. Here it is. There are many people who are intelligent. Many people who are so intelligent they could go to the best schools in this world. There are many people who have good jobs. Here's the deal. How many of these people can get a spark that I believe is from Christ and the Spirit to take what is of great prestige and honor in this world and to use it for the common good of man. And that's the life of Gary Hogan. It might be the life of one, two. I'll just say if there was a half of one, that'd be great. You see, Christ can be a change agent wherever you are. Whether you are a four and you wallow in introspection, allow Christ to be a change agent within. Whether you're in the workplace, cogging the wheel, to see that there is no partiality with God, so give up threatening, man. Give it up, man. If you have the ability to change your workplace, give it up. That is what the scripture says. Because all these applications are outside of the church into the real world. And some of you are real talented. Maximize your talent. My friends, I asked for a number of advice when I was thinking about going back to the pastor. And some of them were questioning. They said, your life is good. Teaching's easy, right? Look, you're 62, you know? Okay, you look real young, because you're Asian, you know? But, but uh, uh, you're 62, you know? I mean, what's, what's uh, you know, you're about to retire. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm, 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 I, I could see the finish line, let's say. See, okay, I got, a, I, got, I got 10 miles to go, but I could see it, okay? I could see it. Then why do you want to, you know, pastoring, you know, is, 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 is more difficult. I love it. I love meeting with people, even as an individualist. I want to maximize my life. I'm not crazy. Am I, cra am I crazy? <laughs> I might be. But I told a, a dear friend, I said, it's the oddest thing. Why would a major church in the Silicon Valley hire a near-retiring 
short Asian male. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> but you know what? It's been a great ride in Christ. And I'm going to end with even a greater ride. And you need to do that too. Because the journey with Christ as you ebb and flow in the decisions and changes in your life. And you don't shut Christ out. You're not perfect. You got anger problems. You got verbal abuse problems. Okay, that they all had in the early church, you know? You let Christ in and to spark you. It's a great ride. Allow me to pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends at Cornerstone. I indeed call them friends. Wherever we are, whether we deal with sadness, which is probably the majority of things that we have to deal with, majority of people here, uplift them, allow no harm to come upon them, and have them exchange to whatever process is needed. We do not go through how it how it actually works. But give them a sense of joy and peace that transcends understanding what the world needs today. Make these people buck the trend in America through Christ. For those in the workplace, no partiality, fight abuse, okay? And for those special people who can dictate how they're going to do life. Let them invest largely to be great sparks in this world, to bring a sense of grace and goodness to a fallen world that desperately needs you. Allow us all to end well. Allow us all to finish the race, Allow us all to be transformed by the grace that you have given to us. Spark that faith into something that the world will see that it is so gloriously different that it would draw people to you. We pray this in the name of our Lord. Amen.